Hey everyone, welcome to the Cripes Cast, sponsored by Jolly Good Soda. I'm your host, Charlie Behrens. Uh, now, if you've listened to the Cripes Cast before, you know this is an interview podcast, uh, but I screwed up on the scheduling. So this week, uh, you, the audience, are actually going to interview me. So I thought that would be, uh, it, you know, it was either that or we don't do a podcast. So I took a bunch of questions that uh, a bunch of you have sent either uh, through the Cast podcast, uh, things like on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, and uh, some DMs that you've sent over Instagram, compiled a few questions. I'm going to answer those, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll do this more often if you if you like this, uh, this style of a podcast. So don't forget to uh, let us know if you enjoy it. And if you're like, Charlie... The cool thing about this podcast is you don't talk about yourself, so let's keep it that way. That's okay, too. All feedback is welcome, and uh, make sure you follow the Cast, of course, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. Other housekeeping, what do we have coming up? We got some shows. Bayfield, if you are in Wisconsin, uh, northern Wisconsin, I'm playing Bayfield on July 9th and 10th with Adam Gruel from Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. We did that show last year. It was a ton of fun. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this year as well. So come on out. There's still a couple tickets left for that. And then if you're interested in seeing any other show, uh, check on out CrepesCast.com. Just hit the little button on the tour section. However that works on the internet, you get what I'm saying. Ooh, yeah. Big news, by the way. We're doing London. The Packers are doing an away game in London. And we decided to book a show out there. First international show. I know, we all thought it would be Canada. I did too. But uh, no, we're doing London. So uh, if you're going to be out there for the game, grab a ticket. Come see us for the show. All right. Now, it is time to get to the uh, the questions. So let's just do it. This is from Ebba. From, jeez, uh, Louise. Now I got to uh, pronounce names right. I, I, E-B-B-A. I believe it's Ebba from Toma. Is that a Swedish name? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, Ebba asks, Charlie, why do people in the Midwest dislike weathermen so much? I remember wanting to be one as a kid and grandpa yelling at them so much that I decided to be anything else. I'm a lawyer now, and I think I miss my calling. You know, that that is a fair question, Ebba. Um, here's the deal with weathermen in the Midwest. Meteorologists, let's say, weather people in the anyone on TV doing the weather, predicting the weather, they got the toughest job. They absolutely do because uh, they go out there and they spend all this time studying satellite data, uh, historical trends, the Doppler radar, and a lot of times, believe it or not, they get the weather right. They predict an accurate deal. They do. But do we give them credit in those moments? No, we don't give them credit. We, we, uh, we say, oh, yeah, I could feel that in my knee, you know? Yeah, no, I, my, my right, my, the joint of my right big toe was acting up. So, yeah, I knew that tornado was coming. It had nothing to do with the weather systems that the weatherman told me about. But, you know, I, it, it was my big toe or my favorite. I could smell the storm coming. I could smell that tornado coming from a mile away. That's my favorite meteorological device is a guy named Butch's sniffer. So um, anyways, no, we don't give uh, meteorologists enough credit. We absolutely do not. Your grandpa, Ebba, is, uh, 
is just it comes from a long line of distrusting people about uh you know uh, about those on tv telling us what's going on with the weather we just for whatever reason trust ourselves a little bit more is it fair absolutely not are uh, are the tides shifting with it are people starting to tr- trust meteorologists i i think that's a larger cultural question i think really what it um really it's probably a gratitude thing you know and start paying attention to like the good things that happen uh little good things that happen in life like you know anything from you you hit that green light you know uh the weather uh person accurately described the weather of the day acknowledging it being grateful for it it's probably a practice in gratitude uh i'm not convinced that it's going to change uh any generation uh soon because it's just too much fun to say yeah i could smell that tornado coming i tell you that right now that's just a fun thing to say so i think people are going to keep saying it uh but is it too uh late can you go back and do that actually being in local news myself i can tell you it's not too late and if you're a lawyer right now uh that has a lot of um a lot of elements that local news would uh favor so you could you could potentially if you're okay on camera, you know, you could that could be your beat. You could start off with the legal beat, you know, and, and be kind of like a talking head on the news. Or, you know, if there's a legal question, they, they call you up and maybe parlay that camera experience into an anchor uh, position. And then uh, if you really want, just keep studying that, that, that uh, the weather stuff. And then become a, a meteorologist. There might be a quicker career path, but no, I don't think there. It's ever too late to do what you truly love, if you truly love doing it. But I, I also think it's hilarious that that you stopped wanting to be a a, a weather person because your grandpa was yelling at the TV. It's the most Midwest thing I've ever heard. So thank you, Eba from Toma. I appreciate you. Next question comes from William S. I talked to you at your meet and greet last week, and I told you how much I liked your Cripes cast. Yes, I remember, William. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, I was the one with the cool Packers shirt. Okay, I'm glad you started with saying how much you liked the Cripes cast because you're the only person who said that, but there were a lot of people with cool Packers shirts, so that probably doesn't help me as much. Anyway, you told me you worked at a violin shop. Oh, yeah. Okay, now I remember. That really stuck out to me. Can you actually do that kind of woodwork? So um, for those of you who don't know, I used to work at a uh, place called Classical Strings in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I, I worked there uh, in high school. Actually, it was college. I, uh, first year of college, summer after first year of college. And the fellow who hired me, a guy named Steve Haas, uh, he passed away a, f- a few years ago, uh, unfortunately. He's a very good friend of mine. Uh, but he was a bow maker. And uh, he studied in Portugal, and and when I say a bow, I mean like a violin bow or a, a cello bow. And Steve was one of those guys who who taught me so much. Um, I, the the short answer is I can do some woodwork, but I would never uh, say that I can do the work that is needed to become a, a luthier or a bow maker or a, you know um, a violin. Um, even someone who works on the violence that is a dedicated practice that that they spend so much time on and uh what i will say though about working at that shop is i learned so much from uh this fellow steve haas um and he taught me the importance of loving the process and that's really something that i i take with me uh today in comedy and it's just 
It's just enjoying the journey, I guess. When you're doing a lot of woodworking, uh, before you can even start to, to hone the wood at all, you have to start off with a, a file. And that file has to have a straight edge, you know? So it's like if you want to make a circle in the wood uh, world, you've got to start off with a very straight, pure edge. So anyway, um, Steve taught me a lot about the process of woodworking, which I take into what I currently do with comedy. But the bottom line is, is if you want to do anything right, you have to embrace the process and enjoy the process. Uh, when it comes to woodworking, you can't just, you know, uh, you can't just sand something. You can't just grab any sandpaper and sand it down and call it a day. I mean, you can, but it's not going to turn out good. You know, you have to take, you have to start with a very coarse sandpaper and then go down to less coarse, less coarse, and, and, and then to a very fine finish. And then, you know, you, you put a coating on it and it's, um, it's a very, um, methodical process, but that, that, I, I watch Steve be so methodical about something as small as, as like a bridge reglue, you know, regluing a bridge on a uh, violin or a guitar or something. And, and he took he took these steps very importantly, he never skipped. He never skimped on the time. And, and it took him a lot of time to do this. I mean, I remember one time. It, but the the other side of that, of taking this time and embracing the process is that people trusted him with uh, instruments that are worth more money than uh, I, I could ever imagine. I remember one time he had a Stradivarius in the uh, in the shop and he made me promise not to tell anyone uh, because that's like a million dollar violin. So, um, you know, it, it just goes to show that when you are dedicated to the process of your craft, uh, it's not about the end goal. It's not about, you know, being the guy to work on that Stradivarius, but it's, it's, figuring it out along the way and over time, you know, just becoming the natural choice. Uh, and, and he also taught me again, just to enjoy that process just cause it's methodical, just cause it can be boring. Um, that, that, that doesn't matter. It's, it's just about finding joy in that monotony and, and almost seeing it as a meditation. So this is all just off the top of my head. I, I don't think I really thought that much about what Steve taught me until now. So I appreciate the question, William. But um, but the bottom line is I'm okay at doing woodwork. I have not embraced that process the way I need to, to be uh, as good as someone like Steve was. Uh, but I have used that embracing of the process, I think, in my comedy and... Um, and I don't know how good I am at comedy, but I am really enjoying the process of getting um, good at it. So anyway, thanks again for the question. All right. Trina from Cincinnati says, what's your most useful underutilized skill? Uh, I was a pretzel roller. I, I That's what comes to mind initially. I was a pretzel roller, Annie Ann's pretzels. It was my high school job. I worked at the bike shop and then the pretzel shop. Uh, I was really good at rolling pretzels. I was okay. I, I won't say I was really good. If you roll like a hundred pretzels, you're pretty much the same skill level of anyone who's rolling a hundred pretzels. It's not the hardest thing to do in the world, but good party trick. Uh, and it's underutilized now. I, I haven't rolled a pretzel probably since I was, um, well, I tell you when I did it last, I was doing a powwow, uh, an intertribal powwow up at the Stockbridge Muncie 
Stockbridge Muncie was hosting an intertribal powwow. Intertribal means kind of anyone can go to the powwow and check it out. And they were doing fry bread. And um, I was making some fry bread. And then uh, uh, they, you know, I, I she was like, uh, do, you, do you know anything else? I was like, yeah, let me show you this pretzel. And I did it. She was moderately impressed, uh, the woman I was cooking with. And uh, yeah, and we ate it. And it was not bad, but I, I didn't do anything but take the same dough she was using and, and twist it into a pretzel. So anyway, that's what I would call my most useful underutilized skill. I Hopefully I have a more useful underutilized skill because now I'm thinking about twisting a pretzel. Ah, I could have some more helpful ones. All right, what do we have next? Liz J, why do you like fishing? Seriously, I want to like fishing, but I can't too damn boring but my grandpa loves it so i feel bad hating it oh, another grandpa question um this is actually a great question for right now because i'm literally on a fishing trip and uh i used to fish with my grandpa all the time and i also i wrote about this in my book and it was the first time i was fishing and i kind of remember not liking it as well because it was cold out it was a fall day this wasn't the first time I had ever gone fishing. This was just like, you know, one of the first times, I guess. But it was a cold day, and everyone was casting or whatever. And I had gotten the, the, this new lure, you know, that, that my my dad had gotten me or whatever. And and I, w- I was fishing differently than the way everyone else was fishing. And I, I But I, I was just jigging basically a little uh, bait of some sort. And... I was honestly doing it because I was also bored, um, but I didn't want to admit I was bored, you know, because I felt like I wouldn't be like one of the guys if I admitted it, but it was getting so cold that I was pretty much ready to like jump in the car and uh, and just sit there for the rest of the time. I was ready to give up on fishing, say this isn't for me, and then uh, this fish bit, you know, and and by the way, this is after, you know, I don't know. 20 minutes of my dad saying, don't do that. You'll never catch a fish that way. But again, he gave me this uh, hook bite thing. And so I wanted to use that while I was fishing. And I was also bored, like I said. And I was ready to give up on fishing. And then boom, fish uh, fish took the bait. And uh, I caught a pickerel, my first pickerel. To this day, I, I think about that fish as one of the coolest ones I caught because you know, I could feel my love, uh, and I say this more uh, eloquently in in the book, but, you know, really I could feel my love of fishing sort of slipping away, and then with that fish, you know, I didn't, I didn't hook the fish, you know, fishing kind of hooked me, and, and look, let's say even if you catch a fish in that scenario, you're still not really feeling the whole fishing thing, but uh, you bring up a good point, your grandpa likes it, and Liz, your grandpa likes fishing, and you hate it, and I get that, or you're not feeling it. Um, but I, I do think thinking about fishing outside of the aspect of catching fish kind of helps. You know, we live in a world where we're always on our phones, our heads are down. You know, we're kind of just, it's go, go, go. It's email, it's social media. It's uh, going from one thing to the next, obviously. And the idea of getting out on a boat and being bored and forcing yourself to be bored it's very difficult at first, and um, 
I know that well because I have a hard time being bored by myself, but I, I, I think boredom is an important thing that a lot of us have lost. Uh, when you're bored, that's where uh, creativity comes from. And it's where ideas come from. And in your case, it's where a deeper connection with your grandpa uh, can probably come from because you're both going to get very bored out in that boat and uh, you'll have nothing else to talk about except maybe something you never talked about before. You'd be amazed at things you want to talk about when you're bored as hell in a boat. It's nothing you would ever talk about in any other scenario. So, uh, you kind of make yourselves captive audiences to each other. And uh, that's a very special thing. So, you know, it's it, toss a line in the water. You don't need to catch anything. It's not about that. It's about embracing that boredom, uh, embracing sort of the silence and slowing down. And I think the net effect of that, if more people did that, we'd have, you know, a lot less people pecking at each other on social media. I think I think that's for sure. And a lot deeper relationships with the people you love. So don't do it because you like it. Do it because f- it's good for you. <laughs> okay, and I think this is actually a good place to get our ad break in. So uh, first of all, I want to thank Jolly Good Soda, uh, amazing sponsor of the Cripes Cast. They've been with us for years. Uh, based out of Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's fantastic soda. If you're not living in Wisconsin where it is sold at all your grocery stores, if it's not, just ask your manager. Uh, You can go to jollygoodsoda.com. You can order it right off the deal. Uh, They also have T-shirts and other things, so check them out. I also want to thank Duluth Trading Company for sponsoring the Cast. I'm doing a lot of fishing this week. I'm wearing their Alaskan hard gear uh, fishing stuff because it's, you know, one of those cool shirts that's got the SPF thing on it. And um, I don't know if you've seen a picture of me recently, but I could always use some SPF. So uh, I appreciate that, Duluth. And we've also been using the Duluth cooler. So uh, it keeps the worms and the beers cold. So shout out to Duluth Trading Company. You can check them out, DuluthTradingCompany.com. Finally... Uh, if you want to support this podcast, best way to do it is to buy some merch off CrepesCast.com. Go to CrepesCast.com, click on the merch button. We've got everything, t-shirts, hoodies, uh, playing cards, and it's all Midwest-themed. Um, and I think you enjoy it. Uh, tank tops, fanny packs, the whole deal. Check it out, CrepesCast.com. Click on the merch section. All right, back to the podcast. All right, let's keep her moving here. Jake Al. I'm a big outdoors guy. I love to hunt and fish. I'm a conservative, but I understand the risks of climate change. It drives me nuts when other conservatives pretend it's not real. Can you bring on more people talking about positive actions we can all take on the environment? Rich, poor, middle class. I want my kids to enjoy this planet or at least be able to tell them I tried. Jake, thank you uh, very much. This is, if any of you have listened to the podcast, Cripes cast long enough or or see my stuff long enough, you know the environment is an issue very close to my heart. And so I appreciate this. And and especially you being a conservative, I think there are a lot of conservatives that uh, understand the risks of climate change because, you know, that that is what the scientific community uh, has come to a 99% consensus on, um, just an overwhelming consensus of the scientific community says climate change is real. And 99 doctors told you you have cancer. 
Um, I don't think you'd bet your life on that 1% that says you don't have cancer. So um, the, the scientists certainly don't have as much of an incentive for claiming climate change is real if it's not real than the oil companies have had for decades for claiming climate change is not real when it is real. Uh, they've made billions off doing that. Um, also, the Pentagon says climate change is real. Um, there's really no debating it. But just for anyone who's still on the fence, um, you know, tell me the Pentagon is wrong. Why would the pen what's the Pentagon's reason for lying to you? You know, riddle me that. But anyway, those who are on board with climate change, uh, yes, Jake, I will do my best to bring on more people. And, and I like what you said here. Uh, how can the rich, the poor, the middle class, because there's not a one size fits all for how we help the environment. You know, if you got a little bit more money to spend, maybe getting solar panels is is right for you. Although I'm actually working with this company, Everlight Solar, um, uh, the Casey, uh, who who runs that um, organization, was a guest on the Cast. I encourage you to go back and listen to that because he Everlight Solar is doing a great job of making solar panels uh, feasible to the middle class, to people with not a lot of money. They're they're doing a great job, and I'm going through that process now, um, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, so as I do that, I'm going to keep giving you updates and maybe how you can get solar panels on your roof if you do have a little bit of money to invest in it. But um, there are ways that everybody um, can help with the environment. We can help in our own way because, you know, we look to our government to do this stuff. But I I don't think they are a uh, – they're not a silver bullet because our government is very dysfunctional and it's filled with a lot of egomaniacs kind of um, hell-bent on keeping power. Um, not everybody in politics, obviously, but I think there are enough of those people in there that we have a lot of um, uh, we need a, we, we can't rely solely on the government. Um, that it, it's frustrating. Nobody wants to just rely on uh, something where these guys are and gals are just spouting off at each other on social media and all that sort of stuff. So um, what can we do? I'll find some people, Jake, and if anyone has suggestions for you know, people in the environmental uh, space who think they'd be a good guest, uh, let me know. I'm always looking for people. I've got a few that I've actually reached out to uh, in various aspects. We'll see who gets back to me. But if anyone uh, has, if anyone has ideas, please send those in. I would love that. All right. And finally, uh, Ida L. Ida. I believe that you say that Ida. And sorry if I mispronounced it. Um, hey, Charlie, what's the last bar you were at and do you recommend it? Oh, well, that's, yeah, actually, thanks for the question. That's a good one uh, to end on. That'll be the last one. But the last bar I was at, well, was last night, Tiger Muskie Resort, um, which is the home of the trifecta. They were on the uh, Mandwalk Minute a few years ago uh, for their trifecta where they have uh, three shots and they put bait in each shot. And so they put a leech in one shot, a worm in another, a minnow in another. So that's protein plus alcohol, uh, home of the trifecta, Tiger Muskie Resort. They actually had to stop doing the trifecta, though. I was talking to uh, one of the fellows there yesterday. They had to stop doing it because kind of people would come into the place and get a little too lit up. You know, you're doing three shots with, with, with you know, minnows in one of them and there there was a little bit too much um vomit i think after that so they wanted to keep it a classy establishment so they only i think do it on a very rare occasion if ever but uh tiger musky resort great 
great spot. You should check it out and, and a fantastic bar. Uh, I had a couple beers there last night with uh, my brother's cousin's dad. Um, had some sandwiches. It's a good time. So, yeah, highly recommend it. One other thing about Tiger Muskie Resort, great taxidermy. Okay, I don't say that about every bar. Some bar, you know, slacks on the taxidermy, but they got they got a lot of nice stuff in there. What? Uh, I'll just tell you, some good critters. They, they even have a badger. And I think the badger uh, kind of got shocked by a power line or something. I, I forget the backstory, but, you know, they at Tiger Muskie Resort, they don't let a, a dead animal on the property go to waste. No, if it's still, uh, it's, if it's still in sniffing condition, they're going to taxidermy it and decorate the walls with it. So uh, God bless the, the taxidermists out there. All right. Well, listen. That is it for this week, um, and I hope you all uh, enjoyed the Q&A that I gave there. Feel free to send in more questions, and if you like this thing, we'll do another Q&A episode in the future. I appreciate you all, and uh, look forward to seeing you again or uh, having you listen again to the Cast. and you can follow us, of course, at Cast Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, I'm your host, Charlie Behrens, and I hope you all keep her moving and watch out for deer.